Disclaimer, all these thoughts and opinions are our own and our guests and do not belong to any entities we're involved in. Also keep in mind, we are active college students, so any of this does not reflect active investment advice or counsel. Yo, Crockett, what would you do if you had a billion dollars? I like where this is going. Um, I don't know. Are there any caveats? Yeah, one big one. You ended up losing 87% of it. All right, I don't like where this is going anymore. Well, what's your next move, you think? You had a billion dollars and you lose 87% of it. What do you do next? I got to get that money back. Probably like, I don't know, going to finance, boring job, investment banking, yeah, so something much like fun. that. Um, I don't know. Do you have any suggestions? Yeah. What about, you know, selling carpets? What? Yeah, you know, carpets, rugs. Every house needs a carpet, no? I feel like this is going somewhere. Yeah, it's going somewhere. I feel like this could make an interesting episode. I think so, too. <laughs> All right, guys, welcome back to Uninvested. Today, we're going to be talking about John Foley, who is the ex-CEO of Peloton and his new venture, um, which sells custom carpets. I'm Sahil Seth. I'm Crockett Calloway. And this is Uninvested. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, real quick in the beginning, thanks for the support on all the new uh, social media channels. We've been uh, trying to load up our Instagram, our YouTube is growing, exactly. our TikTok's growing, actually. Yep, follow us at un.invested on Instagram. Yep. Yeah, we're, we're posting... Funny short clips from the videos. Got some memes up there. Our memes are good. All the good stuff. Pretty good. Uh, and thank you again for the Spotify and Apple Podcast listeners for tuning in. Uh, shout out to you guys. We, we never forget about you. But let, let's get back to this. So the idea today is John Foley, ex-CEO of Peloton, and his new venture, uh, which includes selling carpets? Yeah, so it's called <laughs> Ernesta. It's a new venture. So for those of you who know, the ex-CEO of Peloton, Peloton has gone through a pretty you know, they've gone through a lot of turmoil. Why don't we talk about that first? You know, the rise and fall of Peloton, you know, sounds similar to when we talked about Adam Newman, you know, the rise and fall of WeWork. This is not as bad, but I will say it's pretty bad. Yeah. Let's give, I mean, I can give some background, right? Yeah, so for sure. I assume most of the people listening, uh, you guys know what Peloton is, uh, the uh, at-home uh, fitness bike and online fitness program company. Uh, during the pandemic, they were huge. Let's give some background. Right, they so, got treadmills. They got treadmills. They got, tre they got treadmills too. But I feel like they're they're known yeah, for the, yeah. the bikes Everyone, and the shoes. The bike, Everyone the likes to flex about them when you have them. Yeah, um, it's a big part of it. I don't know. I've never been on one. So I don't. Have you been on one? Yeah, I've been on one once, but I've never done it with, like where you like have the giant screen, watch like the videos, and like follow along. It's usually like a normal like stationary bike. Well, maybe it's good that we haven't used them because they're going through some stuff. I'll walk you through the background for the listeners. So thank you. Um, the year's twenty twelve. Yep. Uh, five people come together and they found. Peloton. Those people include John Foley, who we're highlighting today, uh, Hisao Kushi, Tom Cortese, I have the names up here, Graham Stanton, and Yoni Feng. Uh, that last guy, Yoni Feng, he like met the rest of them because one of his uh, roommates worked at the company where all the other founders worked. They worked at IAC, which was a software oh, okay, and, okay. and uh, internet services company. Oh, so they like worked in like SaaS software? Essentially? Yeah, basically. Okay, cool, and, cool. and it still exists. Like Their stock is up as of today. Um, so... You know, this company still exists, but they all quit IAC. 2012, they come together. They found Peloton. Um, they, in 2013, go on Kickstarter. Yep. And they released their uh, first early bird bike. Their, like, most expensive version was $1,500. Really? Um, which I, I think, mean, that's, like, cheaper than... It's, like, 2000 now, no? I, I think the cheapest version is, like, 2000 Yeah, probably. Um, Something crazy like that. So, right, Humble Beginnings. In, in the beginning, it said that Foley let the other guys uh, kind of... I think there's a, there's an exact quote. The other guys took it, 
ran with it and built it while I was gone. And what he was gone doing, this is this is Foley in this case, was fundraising. So he was leading, going out to investors. We've talked a lot on the show about there's there's the idea that um, you know, investors have to pitch VCs just as much as VCs have to or excuse yeah. me, investors have to pitch founders just as much as founders have to pitch investors. And so he was kind of the point man going out um, okay. and pitching Peloton. He was pitching or was he getting pitched to? Was it like it's probably a bit of both. Yeah. I don't think you I don't think Peloton was that big, you know. Like it is now. Especially no, you're you're definitely no. right. At that point, it wasn't that big, but the, you know the point is, from a financing perspective, he was the guy going out yeah. um, and trying to raise capital on their behalf. So they start shipping their bikes in 2014. Again, slow rise. 2018, they start to pick up a lot of uh, momentum. Yeah. As of 2018, they'd raised um, more than half a billion dollars in VC funding. So 550 million in VC funding. That put them at a valuation wow. of four point one billion. That's crazy. All that funding, like even before the pandemic, everyone stuck at home and like essentially forced to use, you know, home exercise units like a Peloton. They were already the, the market was already prime. They were already like there was a rising interest in at home workouts. So COVID was like a gift to them almost. Oh my god. It so, was like the layup. They like really just fast tracked them. Beyond the layup. So so here's the thing, Sahel, and like you pointed out, it's a brilliant segue. COVID happens, right? People can't go outside. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure many of our listeners know this. Peloton skyrockets to a point that actually in 2019 they ipo yeah an ipo is an initial public offering um so it's when me and crockett go out we could become you know owners of peloton now yes so now at this point you can buy a share of peloton um it's what's known as a it's now a public company before it was a private company um because anyone can go out they ipo at 30 dollars a share so that means uh you can buy one share of peloton is 30 dollars. i know there are some like uh, Schwab lets you buy half shares and like uh, you can uh, buy like well, that's a, like Robinhood, right? You can buy like a fraction of a yeah, share. Yeah, exactly. So you could go put a dollar uh, into into Peloton. You wouldn't own much of it. But they started off in COVID, thirty dollars a share. At the height of COVID, they're trading at one hundred and seventy-one dollars a share. Yeah, and that's that's when John Foley becomes the billionaire. He gets the B. Yes, he hits the one B, which is which is where our intro came out in the beginning yeah. of this. Um, even before that, they had hit unicorn status, right? Unicorn status again is a startup valued uh, at dollars. least a billion dollars. $4.1 billion valuation. So they're doing really well, right? Since then, and by the way, and we, we just noted like COVID was a prime time for them, right? Because yeah. it, it's just, it's it's everything Peloton will want. There's online classes. You have a perfect at-home workout machine. You can brag to your friends about these awesome things you're doing at home and suddenly they want to up their like in-home yeah. workout space. Um, it's perfect. Yeah. And since then, how have they done, Sahil? Yeah, I know. I think uh, people <laughs> were like, do I pay $2,000 to get a bike that doesn't move that sits in my house when you know i could go outside and run you know just as good go on a bike outside it's nice and i feel like you know after COVID, people are really cooped up so it's like i don't want to spend more time in my house than i have to if i can go to a gym finally i might as well just go out get myself a membership which is exponentially cheaper maybe like 30 dollars a month at like a lot of gyms hmm. they can get more expensive but nowhere touching two thousand dollars so it's almost like you can tell the future because that's that's exactly what happened, what happened with peloton they ended up their stock ended up tanking at one point their stock was trading at uh like six dollars and 60 cents a share mind you like i just said they ipo'd at 30 dollars a share at one point they were at 170 dollars so people you can one share is 170 dollars you're going down to six dollars yeah these days they're consistently trading below um their ipo price so they're they're less than 30 dollars just this year companies laid off um reportedly more than five thousand employees uh, they lost their top four executives. I mean, that's nowhere near what Meta just, uh, Facebook, Meta, whatever you want to call them, just laid off. You know, mm-hmm. 11,000 people. Yeah. Just, you know, one weekend. And then Twitter the weekend before. Everyone's, here. That's here's the thing. is like, everyone's going through tough times right now, especially. Yeah. 
But I think when you look at Peloton, like this is a business who made their profits off the pandemic. That, you know, the obviously COVID's still going around. Um, there's, there's no denying that. But th the height of their success, the environment that they operated in is gone. Meta yeah. is just like, look, crypto is here to stay. NFTs are here to stay. The metaverse is here to stay. They're just going through tough times, especially given like the recession. that we're Yeah, fair enough. Well, do you blame Foley? Like, do you think it's his fault? Or do you think it's just like, you know, company blew up? Look, you I, know, got too big. Or I think he had a little <laughs> bit of poor leadership there. You know, I don't think he really had that, like took full advantage of that growth and mm. like anticipated for the downturn. Mm. No, I, I think you're right. Like there's room for foresight. There's room to, to look at. His, his own success, be aware that the pandemic's what's contributing to it. Yeah. Um, and maybe make like a strategic pivot. Um, what, what is it, just for our listeners, what is a pivot in the, in the VC and entrepreneurial space? Like define pivot. Well, pivot can mean so many things. Mm -hmm. You know, it could be changing of ideas, changing the business, really just a change. We'll call it pivot a change. Mm -hmm. But specifically, Foley had a very big pivot in what he's doing with his life. We call it a, a life pivot. What's that pivot, Zaho? So now he's going to, he just started this company, Ernesto. With, so, so he quit. So he's, yeah. he's done. Essentially, yeah, he did quit. Okay. We came under a lot of scrutiny. It wasn't like, uh, you know, I'm quitting on my own accord. It was like, people are like, listen, like this company is failing. We need new leadership. Mm -hmm. so, so, he, so he quits. Yeah. And, and by the way, he's, he's not quitting at like um, just any time. There's reports right now that like Nike, uh, Apple, Amazon are interested in actually purchasing and buying out Peloton completely. Right. So yeah. he's like, he's feeling a lot of external pressure at this point. He's a hardened entrepreneur. Um, he's a hardened leader. Actually, before he had left IAC to go found Peloton, he was the president of Barnes and Noble for a little bit. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, so he, so he's, he's a hardened leader. He, he's, he's no newbie. So he's well, so he's like a founder and like a proven CEO essentially. Yes. Okay. Wow. Well, proven. I mean, proven. He can scale a company. <laughs> well, I mean, what does he prove exactly? Yeah, I mean, we could say like Adam Newman is proven. They're able to scale it, but you know, consistency wasn't there. We'll call. It, we'll say. So, so he leaves. Um, just like Adam Newman had his, yeah. had his leap, uh, which, which we'll talk about in a second. He leaves and he founds Ernesta. Um, what's the current status there? So they just raised $25 million in a Series A. So basically like one of the first big funding rounds, we'll call it, by a lot of his old investors that invested in Peloton. So he kind of used his network, used his connections to get more money for his new idea. Mm -hmm. So this kind of brings us back to that point about Adam Newman about these venture capital firms really having faith in these, you know, founders, knowing the team itself, not mm. just the idea. It's not, you can have a great idea, but, you know, these firms also have to have a lot of faith in the people backing the idea. Mm. Mm. And that's, that's also the role of, like, an active investor, right? It's like you back the person. Exactly. You back who they are. You back the concept that this person's going to go on to do bigger and better things. Yeah. And they're going to keep being successful and entrepreneurial. And you stick with them, which is what, which is what yeah. for example, like, True Ventures is doing. Right? Exactly. Right? True Ventures in addition, you know, both the, both the people that, you know, led those companies were early in on Peloton, you know, their Series B and C rounds, you mm. know. So they're very accustomed to Jack Foley. They have a lot of faith in him. They think he can scale this business. But, you know, it's kind of hard to imagine that this custom rug idea in, like, this recessionary environment got $25 million. There's got to be something more to it. There's got to like, be something special. Like, are people, like, for, like, to give more context to what the company does, essentially, instead of, you know, going to, like, Home Depot, Lowe's, buying, like, these generic carpets they sell in bulk, you know, you know, it's like going to Pottery Barn, getting like a specialty rug for your house instead. And, and the idea is that they're all they're all like custom cut, right? Yeah. So they like whatever, buy like, whatever that means. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. They buy like big, like lots of carpets, I guess, and cut them and do everything themselves. Mm. But I don't know. It makes me think like, is that the number one people are like worrying about now? Like gas prices are really high. I think you're going to save to buy gas for your car rather than buy a new rug, especially like for first time homeowners. Well, you know? 
what I'm curious about too is we keep questioning like whether or not this is a good idea. How can you justify pivoting from like a massive like something in the fitness industry, which is like a booming industry? To, yeah, slash to tech, slash like tech industry. Yeah, right. Slash tech. I feel like there's got to be another angle on this, like carpet. Like, what is their like next product? Like, are they trying mm. to sell something else? This is just like the beachhead product for those of you that don't know. Like, the beachhead is like kind of like how you enter the market, how you like grip your customers before mm. you know selling them something else, selling them more products, and really like hooking them in. Because what, what I have a hard time forgetting about right now is, look, he was the president of Barnes & Noble. Barnes & Noble is a B2C business. B2C means business to consumer. And so you're a business, you're selling things to consumers. Um, yeah. Other other types of businesses are like B2B, you're a business who sells a product to another business, yeah. um, like a software or something like that. So he was B2C, business to consumer at Barnes & Noble. Then he goes to Peloton. That's a B2C business as well. He knows the space really, yeah, really well. Yeah, direct to consumer. He's selling just to consumers, not to other businesses. Direct to consumer. So he obviously knows like the times when B2C businesses work, when they succeed, the team you need. So he's clearly seeing some. And, and so um, Ernesta, this, this rug business, yeah. the carpet business, it's a B2C business as well. So he's clearly seeing. So he knows the space. He knows people. He knows how to sell retail. It's a very different product, you might say, but same industry, we'll call it. It's also like an at-home industry too, right? Yeah, exactly. Just like Peloton. It's like big assets, expensive assets. Rugs aren't cheap. I, you know, mm. when I first rented out, when I was first renting this place, I had no idea how expensive rugs were. Mm. Much more expensive than I initially thought. So it makes me think: is is this, like is this goal to undercut the rug market and sell like mass amounts at cheap prices? I guess, but still, like, it's not like he, he well his claim, his like pitches is like people are going to protect the hardwood, hardwood floors on their number one asset, number one asset being their homes. Mm. But I don't, in the future, I see people buying homes less and less, you know, interest rates touching right around 7%, uh, only going to climb, you know, the Fed, the people that control the interest rates are just saying, you know, they're not slowing down at all. They want to slow down spending and they're going to keep raising the interest rates. And that means buying a home ultimately is more expensive. Mm -hmm. They cut like for every dollar you put on your home, it's more than just that dollar. You have to pay that interest rate on it. So then, okay. So, so my, my question to you is, and this is just speculation is, yeah. So in a time when people are concerned about their home value, they have less purchasing power as well. Yeah. Like, do you want to be upping the value of your home by purchasing a rug? Because now you're making the space nicer. Like, if you're buying a place, whether or not you're buying a place with or without furniture, if you're showing a house and there's a nice rug in the house, home value goes up. Or is it that, like, maybe this is dangerous because you're already worried about the amount of money you have. You're worried about your home value. Yeah. Why are you going to go spend money accessorizing your house? Exactly. That's what my thoughts. Ex that's exactly my thoughts. Why would I go buy? It just seems extra. There seems to be, like, no demand there for carpets. Like, as people have less demand for spending, carpets going to go right down with it. It's not like carpets have this steady, inelastic demand that's going to be persistent over time. I feel like one of the first things to go in this room is going to be the carpet. It's not going to be the couch. It's not going to be the furniture. It's going to be the, the carpet. first thing we're selling when our house goes under is we're selling our carpets. <laughs> yeah, like none of you can see the carpets, but you can all see the couch if you're watching, of course. But I mean, this makes me think too, right? Is like we keep going. We have, we have so many questions for him. At the end of the day. Um, there are VC firms that just raised $25 million for him. So he must have pitched something special to someone, yeah. right? Because you can be an active investor, but at the end of the day, you're going to you're gonna question things. You're going to do your due diligence. You're not yeah. just going to accept exactly. his idea for a uh, uh, just like a completely custom obscure rugs. custom rug business, right? The other thing I keep thinking about is he had a little bit of foresight when he was doing Peloton, right? Like he must have explored this market of people increasingly doing at-home yeah, workouts. Yeah, like fitness industry itself. He, he, knew, he, he had ideas that people didn't have. Right about like where a space was going. Yeah. Um. Is there a certain direction that like the rug market is going? Like, I don't know. Like, what's I wonder what like the average lifespan of a person buying a rug is. Like, mm. do you buy a rug and keep that for the rest of your life, or like a custom rug? Mm. 
Like, how long do you keep, like... A custom rug, I would imagine you keep forever, right? That's, like, you're, you're customized. You're putting value into it, like... But then you don't have a lot of repeat customers. I mean, I guess if you buy a rug for, like, every room in your house, but mm. that, that customer's not coming back. Mm. You don't really have to, like, sell something. Like, we're, like, Peloton, you have $2,000. You have super high churn, right? right? Yeah, exactly. And let me... Yeah, so, go for churn. So, so churn, by the way, in entrepreneurship and VC is... Um, so there's retention and churn. Retention is the people that stick with your business and yeah. keep doing it. Um, churn is the people that churn out of your business yeah. um, and they're no longer customers to your business. And so when we say that um, they have intense churn here, it's like you're buying a rug once. And then you'll never buy from them again. You're never using this business again. Unless it's like a subscription, you know, like you you pay 30 bucks a month to yeah. keep your rug. Yeah. And then as soon as you don't pay the $30, no. someone <laughs> knocks at your door and <laughs> pulls the rug out of your house. Yeah. I mean, what's crazy to me is they don't even have like a product. They haven't even established like maybe they've, gotten like deals and contracts that they can make cheaper rugs but I, it's not like they've listed a rug showing a physical product having a custom rug that is cheaper like, yeah, I mean, they're not, they're what, not even launching what it. happens when you go on the website right now like what's their website yeah the website does have like any information just like oh join our newsletter you know sign up for your information news will launch like in the spring or something mm. right i mean it, there's there's pretty much nothing on it yeah. which i mean you know what this exactly reminds me of speaking of nothing on it which yeah. we have talked about in a oh, previous episode yeah, yeah, yeah. is adam newman yeah right like adam newman founder of WeWork, uh, like we, we talked about in a previous episode, we can we can roll the clip uh, for everyone listening. Adam Newman, uh, famed and some would say fa- failed CEO, has just had a massive recent $350 million investment uh, backed by his same former uh, lead investor, Anderson Horowitz, for his new company, which people are widely speculating about. Yeah, yeah so, so there you heard it. Um, Adam Newman, extreme parallels here, right? He goes on to found uh, his next real estate venture. Yeah. Um, and there's no information on it. And there's yeah. very little information about Ernesta here, too. Exactly. Like, are they operating in stealth? Or, like, are they just still too early for any product to be out there? I don't know. Because at the end of the day, right, like, you're, you're a new founder. You want a certain degree of stealth. Especially when you're, you have so many eyeballs on you. Yeah. Um, like John Foley does here, right? Like, people know he has good ideas. It's, he's clearly afraid that, like, as soon as he releases any information it's going to get copied which which happens with every single business out yeah, there exactly what do you see is like the differences between what he's doing versus what adam newman has also done i don't know i mean there wasn't really that much like press on if you're not really following like vc news like you would have had no idea that the xeo peloton is starting a startup mm-hmm. you know but i guess like that's twofold just because you know the amount of money he raised wasn't 300 million dollars and Pel- peloton unlike we were didn't like lose people billions on top of billions. People lost a lot of money, but it wasn't like a complete failure like WeWork is today. Mm-hmm. But I guess the parallels would be like between the two people themselves is just like using their like charisma to go out and give themselves a second chance. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Are they owed that? Like, do they have the ability? Like, should they get this chance? Look, I, I, I def... Okay, in my opinion, I think this is really different um, than WeWork. I think that John Foley is is owed this experience. He can continue on... Um, he can continue on and like found a new venture. It's very different than Adam Newman. Like Adam Newman made a lot of poor leadership decisions. Yeah. Um, in WeWork, of, of course. Then like, even if if it was heavily like dramatized and uh, there was we crash. Like even if that stuff wasn't completely true, that's how people see him now, right? Yeah. And you you can't help but like changing people's minds. John Foley didn't make any like direct like. Maybe he didn't have the foresight to anticipate that the end of the pandemic would also lead to kind of a decline in Peloton. Yeah. But like, that's something a lot of people could have made a decision like to do the exact same thing. Yeah, He's I mean, just doing he the best he can. Differently. I don't know. It's like not so, he didn't do like promise anything like fake dreams, mm. you know? I think at the end of the day, this is a lot just 
more interesting to me than it is like scary. Like the Adam Newman stuff scares me. Scary. Like giving him three hundred million dollars. Scary. Yeah. Terrifying. This is this is just you're having nice active investors stick with you, giving you another twenty five million dollars. He made a safe exit from the company. It wasn't a contested exit from the company. Um, maybe the like the status he left Peloton was contested, but yeah, it, it feels forgivable. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, twenty five million. Like to us, that's like a lot. That's a lot of lot of money. But like to these firms, you have to think about it. They have to like they have to spend all the money in their funds. They have to like deploy that capital estate and give it to entrepreneurs. Mm. You know, they have billions of dollars to give. Twenty five billion, like, is a big check size. I'll say, mm. but. You know, in the grand scheme of things, they're allowed to, like, they have the ability to take that bet. Right. It's also, like, it's a big check size. We don't know what kind of valuation they have yet, yeah. too. Um, so, it could, I don't know, it could, it could really be anything at this point. But what we'll do is, like, I, look, we'll, we'll probably continue to post updates about this on our uh, on our Instagram and all of our socials. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're expected to launch our Nesta officially in the spring. Um, so... Yeah, we're, I mean, we're, we'll keep update. Maybe we'll do an update episode on how Ernest is doing. We'll do maybe, maybe if it's cheaper, buy our custom rug. Who knows? Oh, maybe we should do an Ernest review. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd review. be fun. We'll get like a little uninvested rug or something. Let us know. Give us give us a comment in the YouTube or on the or on the Instagram or any of our platforms, and uh, we'll do a little bit of review on it. Yeah, yeah, good stuff for sure. Well, hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Uh, sorry to John Foley for getting the rug pulled out under him. <laughs> no pun intended from uh, from Peloton. But as always, I'm Sahil Seth. I'm Crockett Calloway. And this is Uninvested. Thank you.